today is a special day, but also gives us an opportunity to end our series on uh, releasing the power for restful increase. Today's message will be very, very short. You know, short means different things to different people, but I will do my best to make it as short and brief as possible, capturing everything we need to capture. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, you have seen our banner there. We have gone through eight sessions. This is the ninth session, and it is on godly increase, the force of godly increase. And the particular theme we have in the church, in the ministry for the anniversary today, is the increasing church. Hallelujah. The increasing church. So we're talking about the force of godly increase for the increasing church. When we talk about increase, we must realize that it is God's plan. God desires that there be increase. Everything you read about God, the Bible says in the book of Job, he said that though your beginning was small, your latter end should greatly increase. God created man and the first thing he said to him in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, the Bible says, and God blessed him and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 1 28, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Right from the very beginning, God's intention is that man goes to increase. The redemption plan, after man fell and man sinned, we know that story very well. The redemption man of, uh, plan of God is sending Jesus Christ to redeem mankind, to bring man back to himself. And then Jesus himself now said, go ahead and increase again. Matthew chapter 28 from verse 18 to 20. The Bible says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And verse 19, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Sorry. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Make disciples of how many nations? All nations. Increase, enlarge. You have contacted me, but what I want from you is to go ahead and make others contact me. So the increasing church is not just a church that will be increasing numerically within the four walls, but it will be a church that will be increasing in influence. Hallelujah. I say a church that will be increasing in influence. A church that will be saving souls with the, work, with the power of the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. And what we do here, very seriously, let's read verse 20. He said we should be doing what? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We should be confident that the one who commissioned us to go forth is with us. And as a people who are on the increase, let us continue to walk with him in the name of Jesus. Please, if anybody is having a quick refreshment, have your quick refreshment and come back inside very quickly. Can ushers help me with that? Have your quick drink, quick refreshment, and come back inside and help the children to settle as well. God bless you. Hallelujah. Now, God demonstrated these principles of increase through a man which we read about in the book of 2 Chronicles. Uzziah was a king that was blessed of God. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, those of you who are just joining or maybe online or missed the part where we had our scripture reading, we read 2 Chronicles chapter 26 from verse 1 to verse 15. Pastor Lola read, led us very powerfully in those portions of scripture. And I'm going to quickly go through a few things for us to know how God wants us to see this godly increase 
and how we can as individuals and as a church embrace it. Uzziah was 16 years old, very young, when he became king, the Bible says, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecoliath, Jecoliah of Jerusalem. He was just 16, what you would call a teenager in our day. Very young, but he reigned for 52 years. But that was not the whole thing about his story. Uzziah was a man that had both the positive side and the negative side, sadly. But I think if we learn a lot from his positive side, we gain a lot. And then we prevent ourselves from going over and tipping over into what he did negatively. So we're going to concentrate on who God made him as a man who was after God's heart. So very quickly, I'll share with us two principles from his own story as to how to enjoy godly increase based on what we read from Uzziah's story. Number one. Uzziah, uh, I say Uzziah, 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 4. 2 Chronicles 26, verse 4. Let's read that. Let's read that clearly. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Let's stop there. He did what was right. That is the number one thing. Holiness must be paramount. Holiness must be paramount. The word of purity is not a fashion statement. Holiness is not, a fashion, is, not a, is, not a, is not an old philosophy. It's not an old theology. The Bible says, and this man did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He was a holy man. He did and took steps of purity, step, steps of holiness. The Bible says he did according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He followed the good example of his father. And we must understand this. Many people are mixing righteousness and holiness. And they are two different things. They are part of one, but they are two different things. Righteousness is what you become by being born again. Holiness is what allows you to have a walk with God. It's what you do to improve your walk with God till you see Jesus Christ. Righteousness is what you... It's just like your child. Any of my biological children, the day they were born, I took... They are names to the city council and said that is his name. And the last name they gave them was my name, my surname. And then they bear, started bearing my name. That's what righteousness does. Every time you get born again, you, be, you begin to bear the name of Christ because you are born again. But Jesus said, you must be perfect. You must be holy as your heavenly father is perfect. So people say, but when Jesus has paid the price, so what is this thing? Is it a legalistic perfection we're talking? No, it's nothing to do with legalism. It's nothing to do with us trying to walk our way to become righteous. No, we are already righteous. But the walk of holiness is an intentional walk to walk in the fear of God consistently. Consistently. A child that bears the name of the father must also do the things that will continue to be pleasing to the father to build good relationship with the father. The prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, he was still the son, even though he was going about squandering money and spending life aimlessly, suffering himself until the point where he came to say, I will go back to my father. He was still a son. He was still regarded as a son. And many Christians are like that today. You are still a son. But you suffer a lot like the prodigal son if you choose not to walk in the fear of God, in your actions, in your dealings, in your way and mannerism of life. This man, the Bible says, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Obadiah 17 says it is on Mount Zion that there shall be holiness. There shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness. 
and the house of Jacob, based on that, shall keep possessing their possession. Hebrews 12, 14 tells us that we shall follow peace with all men and holiness without which no one shall see the Lord. If you want to be a part of this increasing army, you heard my friend just testify there. In fact, when he was speaking, I've forgotten many of those things. We would go to villages. We would pursue this God. We were not doing it for anything. We were not doing it for anything. We just wanted to love God. I remember one village we went. I wish I, I still had him on. I could have reminded him that story. We went to one village and they served us water. And those brethren were very, they thought they were being very courteous and welcoming and hospitable. And they came and brought the water. And as they put it in my hand, I saw things swimming inside the water. And I was like, wow, how will I not embarrass these people? I can't drink this. <laughs> I can't drink it. Because when you see something doing like that, <laughs> already drinking the water before you start drinking. <laughs> I held it and we prayed for them. And we, me and my friend and all the others, all of us saw those things. And we were like, God bless you. Thank you so much. We just made sure they left the room quietly. We quickly put all those water to the side. <laughs> We walked to the next village to go and get proper water to drink. Because we went to do crusade, not to kill ourselves. <laughs> now, they drink that water in God's faithfulness. I don't know how they survive, but that is God for you. They drink it. Maybe all those worms, when they reach their belly, they just die. <laughs> God just kills them and say, go away, you. <laughs> but we couldn't. But you know what? It was part of our experience in the early 90s, 93, 94. And God began to one by one. We were three of us. There were three of us. The third guy, Adam, I just couldn't get him in time, Adam Jones. We were three of us leading worship at the same time in that church. Adam Jones pastors for Pastor Chris Oyahilome. He's the top pastor in the country of Uganda today. I think it's Uganda. I keep mixing because he, was, he moved in one of those eastern countries. But I think he's in Uganda today. I've lost contact for some time. But Adam Jones, Hendrix Echoga, and myself... We would go and do these things for the fear of God. The Bible says this man, a young man, he kept on seeking God. The question I have for our generation today is that what are you doing? Why do we think that God has suddenly become modernized? You must continue to be passionate for God. The world never... Listen, I was a lecturer in Kaduna Polytechnic in 1993. Kaduna Polytechnic is in northern Nigeria. I was a young lecturer earning at that time what was the equivalent of 700 naira. 700 naira. In, in our modern day pounds equivalent. Maybe, I would say, it would, it would do for you what 800, 900 pounds will do living in a country like this. To put it in context... That was all it was. But we would go passionately. We would do those things. Weekend, we finish work, we go out, and then we come back. There were no videos like now. There was no internet. I'm not preaching myself here, but I'm just trying to say, you see, when you see somebody after 20 years, 30 years, and it looks like something is speaking in their lives in any way, shape, or form, you need to know where they're coming from. The God that is on this mission, serving, that we are serving here, is bigger than me. Every time I sit in that office, it's like I am sat in an office and next to the office, there is somebody I'm reporting to. That is how I've felt from day one. I have never ever felt like somebody who is in, in the so-called place of, you know, responsibility final here. I've always felt that sense of responsibility to God. And I want you to know that holiness must be paramount if you want to see God move for you. So that is the first thing. Number two, Verse 5. Go to verse 5, please. Verse 5. The Bible says, 
He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding of, in the visions of God. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. There was a, a prophet around him called Zechariah, and Zechariah was having understanding of God. And the Bible says Uzziah was consulting God and making sure that everything he was doing was in line with the prophetic of his time. And the Bible says as long as he was doing that, God made him prosper. As long as he was doing that, God made him prosper. We don't have the sophistication of technology where my parents are. If not, I'm sure they are watching this today because I, I tried to get them on. But you know something? If I put my father on now, he would tell you things. I was only 10 years old when we, we were living in Greeley. My father was doing his PhD, Greeley, Colorado, USA. I went there last year again. It was such a good experience to be back there after 40 years. And I went to the place that I used to go to school and everything, and so many things came back to me. After 40 years, my father reminded me when I saw him last year in July 2019, he reminded me of when I went to school at age 10, and there were many toys that people put, there was a fair in our school, and everybody went, they said all the kids should go and pick, we were 10, I was 10 years old, just going on to be 11. He said everybody should pick something, and I went there, people were picking toys. Those days, our, our, our generation, that was the time they, they invented remote control cars. They were cool. You press something and one car is running like that. It was like magic. <laughs> These days, they don't mean anything again. So many of my, my friends went for those kind of things. And then I just went, and then I saw a table mat. Table mat, one table mat that had the picture of Jesus Christ and had this verse, James chapter 1, verse 17. That says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither a shadow of turning. And I said, I like this. And I picked it. And I went to our teacher to say, that's what I want to take. He said, is that all? He said, you don't want any toys? Because there were still many toys, rail tracks. That was another popular one, big rail tracks. People will assemble them. And I didn't pick any of those things. I said, I like this mat because it's got the picture of Jesus. And I took it home to my father. So my father said, is that all you got? He said, I'm sure there were toys there. Didn't you see toys? Or did they pick? I said, no, I like this one. And then he told me, he said, you are going to go far. I can see your heart for Jesus Christ, and you are going to go far. And I'm saying to you today, you are going to go far in Jesus' name. Friends, I say this humbly with every sense of submission. If you are in this mission, please be a part of it. I'm not a fraudster. I don't have to say that. I'm not a fraudster, I'm not looking for anything. The passion for Jesus has been a long time. And as many who truly committed, who are truly committed to this thing, by the grace of God, if there is anything I'm witnessing in my life today that is evidence of serving God like Uzziah did, please put back verse five. Like Uzziah saw that he was prospering as long as he sought the Lord. Like Uzziah saw that he was advancing and increasing as long as he sought the Lord. I beg of you, my brothers and sisters, please commit and commit very well because this God who makes those who seek him diligently prosper will surely prosper you. In the name of Jesus. I say he will prosper you. In the name of Jesus. The forces that are fighting for me are many more than those that the enemy can throw at me. I am not just making mouth here. In the year 2015, I was in a dream. And I took some brethren, in the dream, I took some brethren from the church, church workers. I said, let us go to a, a particular place and, and worship and just do some fellowship. It was like somewhere in the country, 
green with a mountainous range. I was driving the van, about a 12-seater van, and I, I got to the place, and I said to them, I said, let's go, uh, let, let's, let's park here because we can't drive. The terrain is not good for the van. But I, I pointed to them, I said, you see that tree over there? That's where we're going to camp. You guys go on, and um, I'll just clean the car. In my typical way, why I believe that dream is because it's what I would do in the natural. I hate dirty cars. I can't sit in a dirty car for too long. My head will be swelling like that. <laughs> I'm not looking at somebody else. So, yeah, we all have different kind of cars, okay? Now, but the reality is that I don't like, I, I can't stand. If I sit for five minutes in a car that is dirty, I will just be uncomfortable. So, in the dream, my typical self, I started to pack all the foot mats and was dusting them. I said, when you come back, we will meet a fresh car and return in our journey. As I put down the foot mat, I went to the driver's uh, passenger side, the other side. As I brought out the foot mat, dusted it, put it back in to shut the door and to turn around, two people stood to me like this. They said, give us the keys of the car. I said, no. I said, give us the keys. I said, no, God gave me these keys. They said, we will shoot you now. I said, you can't do anything. God gave me the keys. And I held the keys like this. And they shot the pistol twice. Pow, pow, loud bangs. Smoke coming out of the nozzle, but no one bullet came out. I stood there. Pow, pow. I heard it very loud and clear. When they saw that the gun was ineffective against me, they dropped it and they ran away. When they ran away, I woke up. I told my wife, of course, the first person, and I think those of you that were around here in 2015 will remember me sharing that story. I've been shot many times in my dream just because of this mission. I've been attacked many times. I've been abused physically. I've been called names. I've been called things. I've been, I've been, I've been despised. I've been lied against for the sake of this mission. But we are going strong and stronger and stronger by the day. Hallelujah. God is just continuing to increase the work by the day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I make no boast of myself as a person, but I make big boast of my God. I make big, big boast of this God that I've known as a child. He has never failed anyone. And he prospers those who seek him like he did Uzziah. He will continue to give you his help. In the name of Jesus. Verse 7 says God helped him. Verse 7. God helped him. Read it loud. God helped him against the Philistines. Against the Arabians who lived in Gorbal and against the Milnites. God will help you against every enemy. Amen. When we say enemy in the body of Christ, you understand. We are not talking about human beings. We are talking about forces. Spiritual forces that want to limit you. Those things that are telling you that you cannot go more than this level. Those things that are telling you that you can never get a degree. Those things that are telling you that you can never progress beyond the first degree. Those things that are telling you that you can never do a professional work. They are your enemies. They are the Arabians. They are the Gurbals. They are the Munites. But God will help you against them all. In the name of Jesus. Some of you have huge dreams of ministry and something keeps telling you it's not for people like you. Something keeps telling you that you cannot make it. I decree today that you overcome all those enemies in the name of Jesus. You will rise above them all in Jesus' name. So number one, just keep holiness paramount. Number two, keep seeking God. Then I will tell you three things that is going to be the manifestation of this increasing church like we see in the life of Uzziah. Very quickly, number one, verse nine. Go to verse nine. And Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, 
and at the corner buttresses of the wall, then he fortified them. Time fails me today to explain when the Bible talks about towers. But towers represent spiritual growth and fortification. The Bible says he fortified them. As part of this increase, as you seek the Lord, God will be giving you spiritual growth and he will be giving you fortification. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Pastor Hendricks that you just listened to, I told you his story. Some of you would be in the service a few weeks ago. 25 years this year, all of us, both of us married 25 years ago. His wedding was November, mine was December, 1995. Pastor Hendricks carried his first child this year, March. I thought it was April, it's March. This year, March, carried his first child for the first time. You need to be strong. I never heard one day, the, the same way he saw him preaching there, preach like that. <laughs> Preach like that, firebrand, no, no difference. He has dedicated so many children in his church, so many children, so many children. One day, and he loves children. One day, I saw pictures of him and his children. I couldn't behold it. This was 2008. I went into his office. I said, Lord, Lord, but oh, you remain strong. When the Bible talks about valley, valley gates, those of you that remember what we did when we talk about the gates of Jerusalem, you remember valley? Valley experience is the hard moments. Those things that blow people off. Those times that you don't know what, you can't explain it, but you just know that you are going through something. But David said, I walk through the shadow of the valley of death. That is that kind of place. It is a very horrible place. We don't want to be there as believers, but let me tell you something. If you are like Uzziah, and if you have the fear of God, no valley will consume you. Yeah. I say no valley will be strong enough to consume you. Yeah. In the name of Jesus, yeah. there was a valley called the Valley of Elah. It was meant to consume all the Israelites. Goliath stood there and he said, bring a man to me. David entered that valley with him and he destroyed him. This is how God will help you to destroy every opposer. Yeah. In the name of Jesus, yeah. you will be strong spiritually. I bless God for what my friend said, listening to our messages. He said that he can see that we are raising a strong army, which I believe God is confirming what I've been saying to you. You keep going, you'll be strong. You keep going, you'll be fortified. So this godly increased church will be a strong church. I say it will be a strong church. Amen. There are too many willy-nilly Christians. We don't need more of those. Willy-nilly Christians, Lassafair Christians, Hey, they didn't talk about me. Hey, they talked about me. Hey, they didn't like my hair. Hey, they like my hair. Hey, they called me name. Ha. Ah. <laughs> There's work to do, friends. We need to grow and be strong. As I am like this, whether you say God bless you or God curse you, it, no difference to me. <laughs> no difference. I mean it. You, you make absolutely no difference to me. I thank you if you do the blessing. And whatever you do, that is not the blessing. I, I, I leave it to God. But you, you, make, you focus on God. You are fortified. Say, I will be fortified. Say, I will be fortified. In the name of Jesus. Then number two, the church must have spiritual warfare strategies. Verse 11. Show me verse 11, please. Verse 11. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of fighting men who went out to war by companies. These companies are like our life teams, life singers, life clean, the life youth, the life men, the life women. They are companies of people. They take a territory that is what 
belonged to their clan and belongs to their clique and they tried to conquer it. The Bible says they went according to the number on their role as prepared by Jael, the scribe, the Messiah, the officer, under the hand of Hananiah. This three-tier responsibility is what the church must understand. We are like a formation of armies. The Bible says that Uzziah went out with an army, one army, but we are formations within that army. Hallelujah. We must learn spiritual warfare strategies. That is why I thank those of you that pray every morning, Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday, in this place, almost every week of the year, except one or two weeks that we just leave to go and then we do it again. For the past two and a half, almost three years, Thank you for doing that. And I want to encourage more people to join. That is the battle. The battle of Christianity today is not a battle of wearing clothes. It's not a battle of having money. It's not a battle of those kind of things. Whilst those things will be added to us, it is a battle of spiritual fortification and spiritual warfare. This church will continue to war against the enemy and we continue to overcome the enemy in the name of Jesus. Number three, which I want to quickly share before I take my seat today, is supernatural creativity for influence. Go to verse 15. This increasing church will have supernatural creativity for influence. What's the first thing they will have? Spiritual growth and fortification. That's the first thing. Then number two, they will also have spiritual warfare strategies. They will have spiritual warfare strategies. And then number three, they will have supernatural creativity for influence. Let's read verse 15 together. And he made devices in Jerusalem, invented by skillful men, to be on the towers and on the corners, to shoot arrows and large stones. So his fame spread far and wide, for he was... He was what? marvelously help till he became strong. God will marvelously help you. I say God will marvelously help you and you will continue to go from strength to strength. This church will continue to receive the marvelous help of God and we will continue to grow from strength to strength in the name of Jesus. You see friends, the word devices there is what I want us to quickly look at. The Bible says this man made devices. We all talk about the devices of the enemy. Oh, we should not be ignorant of the devices of the enemy. But God is raising a generation of people that will make devices. I said they will make devices. Yeah. Not just spiritual devices. The Bible says he made devices and he put them on the towers. The towers are the spiritual fortification we had. I talked about them before. They are the spiritual base we have. Our fear of God, love of God. They are the towers we build. Our worship our dealing with God, the, the holiness work, all those are the towers. But God wants on top of that for us, and I want you to listen to this very well because this is the heart of life gate. God wants us to be people who make devices, people who are creative, people who decide to work with God, to open up their mind, to be influencers wherever they are, whatever that is. Even if they are parents as homemakers, mothers who do no other work than just parenting children. They will be clever and smart in raising those children. I said they will be clever and smart in raising those children in the name of Jesus. How many of us know about, um, I think Laura Bush is uh, eldest, elder Bush wife. Not, not the younger George. Laura Bush is the older 
of the Bushes, I believe. I'm talking about the wife of George H. Bush, not George W. Bush, the young, the son. George H. Bush, who's now died, but the, 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 the former president of the United States. They said to her, how did you manage to raise a president as a husband and as a son? He said, you start from when they are babies. <laughs> You start from when they are, including the husband. They say, what do you mean that your husband being a baby? He said, no, you nurture him. You take the potential in him. These are my paraphrase words, but basically saying you take the potential in him and nurture it for him to become the president that he should be. Then those ones that are born to your, this woman raised three governors. Three governors, two presidents. One husband was president, then one son became president. George W. Bush, that you all know, you know, we smoke them out, keep them running. <laughs> that's, that's his mother. <laughs> Never was to hear Al Qaeda. Al Qaeda will smoke them out, we keep them running. <laughs> Hallelujah. We need to be people that make devices. Friends, the world out there, Romans chapter 8, verse 19, the earnest expectation of the creature is waiting. For the manifestation of the sons of God. We're not just going to be a church that will sit down within the four walls and clap hands and, and shake each other's hands every Sunday. Thank God for that. Very important. We will grow by it. We'll listen to the word of God like this. But we'll be going out there and we'll be shaking every sector we belong. Whether you are in academia or you are in practice or you are in healthcare or you are in science, whatever you are doing, you are in sports, God will be giving you the ability to make devices. I say you will have the ability to make devices in the name of Jesus. We have a world that is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. We are not going to be staging only crusades. We will do that to win souls to the kingdom. You know this church, we do outreach. If not for COVID, we would have gone out a few weeks ago, three weeks ago. We would have been in the city center. We've done that for years. We believe in that. We evangelize. We do those things. But there is a generation now that will not be convinced only by words. They will not be convinced only by miracles. And I'm, I'm careful with my words. They will not be convinced only by the things that standard healthcare can do for them. Anything called a sickness now in this country, anything called a sickness has something to at least alleviate it, even if it doesn't cure it completely. Physically speaking, within the four walls of our NHS, NHS trusts. So what will be the difference of Christians? We will depend on God for supernatural manifestations of his power one more time. But above all, we will touch the things that touch people the most. Jesus Christ touched Peter with fish. Because fish was what was most important to Peter in the first instance. Before he called Peter to be a a follower and a fisher of men, he showed him how to supernaturally catch fish. Somebody say devices. Say devices. The, the woman looking for water at the, the well, God touched her. Jesus touched her first with the water she was looking for and then explained about the water of life, the river of life. What I'm trying to say here, friends, is like Uzziah, we must be people willing to be making devices. We must be people pressing into God and be making devices. We have roots, not just in, like in the case of Uzziah. We have many examples of Christians that have gone ahead of us 200 years ago, 100 years ago, some still alive. 
who did things. I'll just talk about a few scientists very quickly to remind you that it's not far-fetched. We've only relegated to the Holy Spirit to come in to help us to worship and clap. We need to press into the Holy Spirit some more. In the course of this church, serving in this church in seven years, I have written two books, professional books, professional books that are used by engineers worldwide. On top of me doing ministry, we only restrict ourselves. We only restrict ourselves. I've produced PhD between the time this church started and now at least four or five. You can't stop yourself. I have buildings all over the place, not less than worth of over 20 million pounds in the seven years that I've been pastoring here. I'm not saying every Christian has to do that. But I'm saying that, you see, we stop where God, we, 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 God stops wherever we stop. God stops wherever we stop. If you can imagine it, you can do it. If you can imagine it, he can give you devices that will keep confounding our world. My name is published in some places today, not because I am Pastor David, but because I am an author of a book that is read by engineers, Christian or Muslim or atheists. Challenge yourself, church. Challenge yourself. You are not where you are today because God put you there. You are there because the devil is telling you that you can't go. You need to tell him that I will be a device maker. I say you will be a device maker. Whatever it is that is your own devices, God will put it in your hand in the name of Jesus. Robert Boyle, we talk about him a lot in Boyle's Law. This man was the first person to say a, a deeper understanding of science was a higher glorification of God. My wife used to say this a lot. Robert Boyle said it in 1691. He said, a deeper understanding of science was a higher glorification of God. He was the man who brought out the periodic table, the elements, the compounds, the things we study today in chemistry. He was a Christian man. He was a Christian man. There are many of them here. Michael Faraday. How many of us know about Faraday, Faraday's laws, electromagnetism? He was a Christian man. Devout member of his church. He discovered electromagnetic induction. They are people like us. They didn't have two heads. Sir Isaac Newton, passionate dissenting Protestant, spent more time on Bible study, that is his life, than maths and physics. And yet he gave us the Newton's laws. We did today, we can fly. We did today, we can create things and allow gravity to help us to do stuff. He lived from 1643 to 1727. He was a Christian man. They go on. George Washington Carver, a black man who was a protestant evangelist and Bible class teacher. His faith in Jesus Christ was the mechanism through which he carried out his scientific work. He improved the agricultural economy of the USA by promoting nitrogen, providing peanuts as an alternative crop to cotton to prevent soil depletion. He lived between 1864 and 1943. I'm telling you of men and women who pushed the frontiers and God is calling us to push the frontiers again. We don't all have to be scientists. We don't all have to go at this level. But whatever you are doing, however you are, make up your mind that you want to work with God because there is an evangelism that you will carry. Not because you can say Jesus is Lord alone, but because you are solving immediate problems of the world. And that will be your story. I say that will be your story. In the name of Jesus. Francis Collin. And then I'll finally close on this. There are so many of them, but Florence Nightingale, very celebrated servant of God. Even recently was honored by our country by naming all the COVID centers, the Nightingale hospitals. 
An Anglican who believed God spoke to her, calling her to her work. She transformed nursing into a respected, highly trained profession, used statistics to analyze wider health outcomes, advocated sanitary reforms, largely credited with adding 20 years to the expectancy between 1871 and 1935. I can go on, friends. But I just wanted to use those few things to inspire you. There is an increasing church. Throughout this week, we'll be looking at this increasing church. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that this church, as they were going together, they met in the apostles' doctrine. Acts chapter 2, verse 46, they continued steadfastly. The secret of the increasing church is to continue. Don't give up. If you're under the sound of my voice and you're a member of this church and you've been away for a long time, we're calling you back home. Don't give up. Don't give up. Life is harsh. Your brethren are not the problem. Your pastor, obviously, is not the problem. <laughs> your brethren are not the problem. Your brethren are your help. Come back home. Let's continue steadfastly with one accord in the temple. And let us keep breaking bread. Let us keep going from house to house. Let us eat with gladness that which God is preparing before us. A table before us in the presence of our enemies. We will enjoy it together. We will overcome together. There is more that this increasing church will be attaining. I'm, I'm glad to let you know that you are part of that great army in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's give God a big hand of praise. He's worthy. He's worthy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We are grateful for what you have done for us as a people. We know that many things are in stock for us. And we are set to let you have your way. As a church, as we move into year eight, we are riding majestically on the wings. You